0: This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, June sixteenth, two 2022, on your public radio station, 91.3 FM, KUAF. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas.
1: I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellams. For you James Joyce fans, today is Bloomsday. The closest observation to us that we know of is Tulsa, where the Oklahoma Center for Humanities marks the date of events in the novel Ulysses with a pub crawl and... reading from the novel. No James Joyce on Ozarks this hour, but we do have Leah Uribe's Sound Perimeter. This week, Leah takes us to Cuba.
0: And Daniel Carruth gives us a bit of the first Goalie Park concert of the summer that took place last week. More concerts every other
1: Thursday or so are scheduled through July. But we'll start by taking over the world, or at least a book that gives improbable ways, but not impossible ways, to begin to take over the world. Don't worry. Ryan North's book, How to Take Over the World, Practical schemes and scientific solutions for the aspiring supervillain is more fun than dangerous. But he does use science, math, and history as jumping off points for such topics as establishing a secret base, cloning dinosaurs, controlling the weather, and achieving immortality. When we talked with Ryan North, he explained his desire to write the book has a deep connection to his day job, writing storylines for comic book supervillains.
2: And then use that to motivate all the nonfiction we're learning about and give it this, this, this sparkle and this, this interest in doing it. And a lot of the fun for me is taking it seriously. Like if we're, if we're doing a plot to uh, have a, a secret base, then what do we need to know? And what are the logistics of that? And, and let's go as deep as we need to, to price out and to make it fully credible what you'd need to know to do this. It's, it's a ton of fun to research, but I also, uh, in researching it, sometimes I take out some suspicious books in the library or I do a, a Google search. And before I ran that search, I would type in FBI agent monitoring me. This is for a book. Run that search. And then I do my search about like where nuclear missiles are stored or things like that.
1: Well, in the course of these pages, we learn about the environment, biology, geology, history, computer science, medicine. That just scratches the surface before we go any further, we should mention that you've helped guide some of the world's greatest supervillains.
2: Yes. Uh, I do a lot of writing for Marvel Comics and DC Comics, and part of the job there is to come up with these increasingly credible schemes for supervillains to pull off. And, you know, it doesn't take much when you're doing that to think, well, what if what if we did this with only real-world technology? What if, What if we didn't have to have the villains lose and... That was sort of the, the origin of the book for me was wanting to to go down these rabbit holes and to, to figure out if you don't have shrink rays and you don't have a mind control helmet, what's left to you as a supervillain and how much of the world can you take over?
1: And, and the greatest supervillain of all time, Victor Dr. Von Doom, Doom has <laughs> his own country, right, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're supervillains, we don't start out with – we're not a monarch, presumably. Nope. So we have to find our yep. own. And you go through a chapter and you basically kind of say, you know what? The best way to go? Antarctica.
2: Antarctica, yes. Um, The nice thing about Antarctica is it's one of the few places left on Earth with explicitly unclaimed land where no country uh, has claimed it. And there's a reason for that. It was in the 50s. There was uh, tensions were heating up in Antarctica. And the countries involved there got together and said, we don't know how to solve this, so let's kick this can down the road for future generations to deal with and explicitly freeze all land claims where they are, and that's where they've remained. But because uh, of a, a quirk in how these treaties are set up, uh, that could fall apart in 2048. So you've got this this ticking clock where if you go to Antarctica and set up a legitimate research base there, which is allowed by treaty, um, there's a way to put forward a pretty legitimate claim to that land if these uh, these frozen land claims unthaw or start to thaw in, in 2048. So it's it's a scheme that uh, relies on a bit of uh, real politic and a bit of diplomacy, but really can, I believe,
1: get your results. And I should back up because you also need – one reason you're finding your own country is because you need your own lair, your base. And yes. as we have found out in the real world through – an heir of Rupert Murdoch, that's not always the easiest thing.
2: Yeah, that, this is an amazing story. At the very start of pandemic, where um, the son of Murdoch had built this end-of-times house in Canada, and then COVID happens, and the borders close, and he realizes he can't reach his end-of-times house in Canada because of international restrictions. So if you do have a secret layer, make sure you can get to it if uh, borders close.
1: We, we do touch on on the environment and, and what we as human beings have been doing. And you also explore, could we clone dinosaurs and could we control the weather? Where do you look for these chapters?
2: Yeah, um, you. for me, I start with the, the basic plot of, you know, what does a supervillain want? Okay, a supervillain wants to make an entrance on a dinosaur. Yes, got it. <laughs> and the, the neat thing about that is that when we, when we think about, bringing back dinosaurs, we all think of Jurassic park and, and dinosaur DNA, but the reality is DNA is organic and it decays and there's, there's none left. Uh, but the, there are scientists working on the theory that, okay, so dinosaurs are gone, but their descendants live on in birds. These are avian dinosaurs. And perhaps there's parts of their DNA that are not used that contain these instructions for teeth instead of a beak or, or, Arms instead of wings or uh, a tail instead of that cute rounded chicken butt. And if we can express these genes when the chicken is developing an embryo, uh, then we can produce a very dinosaur-like chicken. And yes, it's not a dinosaur, but that distinction kind of gets irrelevant if you do this with an ostrich and you come in on this very dinosaur-like screeching ostrich. Uh, People won't really be questioning it. They'll be running from you because you are now making an entrance on a dinosaur. And this is all like legitimate... Uh, bleeding edge science and technology, which is the the fun for me of of writing the book is using these these plots, these supervillain schemes to explore the actual science behind these sorts of things. And it's the same with weather control. Weather control is a classic supervillain thing, but there is actual research put towards geoengineering of changing the Earth's climate to help mediate climate change. And there's tons of downsides to it, but there's also practical ways to do it. It ends up costing $7 billion in startup costs and about $3 billion in maintenance. And that is a lot of money for me, maybe for you, probably. <laughs> but there are people on Earth for whom it's not. And you know, if I, as a, a comic writer, can come up with and detail these schemes, there's certainly others who have the means who are aware of it too.
1: I'm speaking with Ryan North, who is the author of How to Take Over the World... Practical Schemes and Scientific Solutions for the Aspiring Supervillain. You also have, and these are not dry subjects at all <clears> in this book. There are these little breakout pages. And one of my favorites is titled Mathematical Proofs About Human Communication. And it's this, this sort of, um, I don't know, way that you try to confirm that every message you're sending to someone and receiving back is getting there. And it becomes this sort of, labyrinth of i don't know a spiral where you're never positive
2: yeah it's it's i studied uh linguistics in university and i remember one of the coolest things when you start looking at linguistics and distributed computing is how these results you can prove mathematically, mathematically start to impact um how the real world works it, it's how humans can communicate and in that example This algorithm was devised for computer networks, but it proved that if you're in an environment where information can be lost, where where a message could be dropped, then you can never have a shared set of identical facts. So the example is, I send you a message, and you say, oh, well, he sent me a message, he might not be sure if it got through, I will confirm I got this message. But then your confirmation might not get through. So I'll have to confirm your confirmation. And then that might not get through. So that's a it's an infinite series of confirmations. And in no point in any of this series do any of us have the same set of facts. So this leads to a conclusion where if information can be lost, then we can never have the exact same understanding of the world, which is... A huge, to me, conclusion of of human nature and human society, but it comes out of trying to send information over an early computer network (laughs) and realizing there's problems here.
1: Well, in in case anyone ever thinks that we've learned everything, the Mm. world is now boring. There are two items here that will, you know, rattle you out of of that uh, feeling. One, there was a secret tunnel in toronto That let me get this right was three miles deep and 10 miles long and it was unknown someone could do this without authorities knowing
2: yeah it it was this uh it wasn't quite that huge but it was a uh guy a 21 year old who was basically building a party hole for him and his friends (laughs) they're going to wire it and put in tv and doing it all in secret he's just he works as an construction worker he does this for fun and everything's great and then we had uh, I think it was the world, some na- international sports events comes to Toronto. And that unfortunately is when this hole is discovered, this, this secret tunnel and people are initially freaking out because it's right near the grounds and this is terrorism. And then they realize after a couple of days, like, no, this is not, this seems like it's a party hole. Like this is just, <laughs> this is just a cool place to hang out. And so they announce like that we're not going to press charges. And this 21 year old comes forward and says, yeah, I was, I like digging holes. I made a cool place to hang out. I built it. I engineered it. It's got all this cool superstructure to support it. And um, it was a a cool, like physically cooler place to hang out in a hot summer and it's warmer during the winter. And there's a lot of good reasons to, for my cool secret tunnel. And I just loved the, the sort of supervillain adjacent theory of that, where you look at the world and you say it can be done better. And you you don't wait for permission. You just starts digging this hole and, making a, a cool place for him and his bros to hang out where no one else can find them. <laughs> and this is all, it's really relatable, you know?
1: Yes. And it's this anecdote, this, this, this episode is related in a bigger chapter that kind of gets into the geology of the earth and the crust and the mantle and how far could we go?
2: Yeah. The, the initial goal in that chapter is okay. So, a classic super plot is to dig to the earth's core to hold it hostage. And it turns out there's a lot of good reasons to do that because there's when the earth was formed, um, The heavier metals, and was more liquid, sunk to the core and made up the core. And among the heavier metals is gold. And we can tell by looking at asteroids who weren't in that situation that they have a higher gold content in them than we have in the Earth's crust, which means that gold likely either boiled off in those primordial temperatures or sunk to the core. And if you could reach all of the gold in the Earth's core, it would be enough to cover the surface with a half a meter of gold everywhere, which is... A lot of gold. So there's, there's your motivation. All you need to do is reach it. And so now we get into the logistics of how deep have we dug and how deep can we dig and what what problems can we see when we start trying to get that that far into the earth's core.
1: The other thing that can shatter your uh, complacency is the Stuxnet worm. I don't want you to give it all away because I want people to read about it in the book, but the Stuxnet worm scared me.
2: Yeah, it, it scared me when it happened. Um, The, the high-level version of that is computers are complicated machines that will do what they're told. <laughs> and that can very quickly spiral out of control when you have such complexity that you're. it's hard to ensure they're only doing what you tell them to. And the Stuxnet worm uh, used vulnerabilities in Microsoft Windows, but it was targeted not to like steal people's bank accounts, but to particularly target a certain type of uh, nuclear purifier in Iran and that level of, of state level elite hacking to get a result done um, really shows why you should not be trusting without verification computers for, for really much of anything that you can't go back and fix. Um, and this is, this is one of the things that is like a well-known result in computer science circles, but not in the general culture. I think people tend to believe that computers can be trusted because if not what would we be using them all the time for? But when you're in this scenario where you can't fix the result, um, it really becomes dangerous.
1: <laughs> this book, how to take over the world, practical schemes and scientific solutions for the aspiring supervillain. I think is this, this um, argument for trying to become a polymath because yeah, the more you know about more and you're never going to be an expert in everything, of course, but the more you know about more, I think you slightly better understand the world for better or worse.
2: Yeah. It's my favorite thing when I'm meeting people is to ask them what the most interesting thing they've learned in their career is. <laughs> because you learn a little bit about everything. And my last book was called How to How to Invent Everything, A Survival Guide for the Standard Time Traveler. And the premise there was, if you went back in time and your time machine broke, here's what you'd need to rebuild civilization. <laughs> it was just what you're talking about with this idea of, I felt this sort of low-level background anxiety in my life where If I was sent back in time somehow, I'd be a really bad time traveler because I don't know how things work. I'd say the future is great. We have penicillin and and computers. And they'd say, great, how do you invent penicillin and computers? And I'd say, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I I need to know how this stuff works. And so just knowing a little bit about about the world and how it works um, really helps you just as a human being uh, moving through this space of the, the confidence and the understanding of the basics of, of human civilization. It's the exact same thing with how to how to take over the world. Where you, when you're dealing with these large comic book schemes, and I always I like the idea of like real world crime is robbing a bank. A super crime is stealing a bank. <laughs> so let's talk super crime. And when you're working at the logistics of that, you end up having to understand like international relationships and a lot of. Really interesting science and technology of biology and, and the Earth's core and how big you can make a secret base and can we get it to fly? And what what power sources do you need? And what about if you have a secret base? You have have humans in isolation and they can get weird. So let's look at that. And how to tease apart human relationships when you only when you're only seeing eight other people and what what things you have to look out for and all these interesting things come out of this very simple plot of I want a secret base.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Finally, I think there's a poignancy to ending a book like this, talking about not just immortality, but the desire to be remembered. And you have different schemes Mm -hmm. for being remembered for one year up to, I think, 10
2: million years. 10 billion, the heat death of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Right,
1: right. And I'm just curious about, um, was that on purpose? The, the immortality being at the end?
2: Yeah. Um, as we go through larger and larger schemes in the book, uh, you start to approach these larger and larger issues. And when you have a mortality, you're starting to think about like, what does that mean? And what are the benefits of death? Which seems like a very supervillain question to ask. Like what is what are the benefits of death? But there are real ones. And they're, they're basically how human civilization progresses. And once you've got that, the question of, I want to be remembered forever or I want to send a message to the future feels very human. And by trying to solve those problems, by trying to make information survive for one year, a hundred year, 10,000 years, you start to get into these fundamental issues of what is language? What is communication? How much of an impact can humans have on the universe and what possibly of us can we make survive? And this gets into these, these really deep and really interesting ideas of, you know, what do we want humanity's epitaph to be? And is there any possible way we can communicate that across these huge swaths of deep time? And I, putting it at the end, sort of, I liked it because it turned you away from the more selfish plots of like, I want to ride on a dinosaur into these more universal questions of, of humanity and life and existence. And it it sort of, tied together this idea of being a supervillain is, yeah, you're trying to change the world and you're trying to change it for the better. But at the end of the day, um, we're all in this together. We're all facing these same sorts of questions and problems that become fundamental and and universal.
0: Ryan North is the author of How to Take Over the World, Practical Schemes and Scientific Solutions for the Aspiring Supervillain. He talked with Kyle
1: this spring over Zoom. And still to come on our show, another edition of Sound Perimeter with Leah Uribe. She continues to expand our world of classical music with a Cuban influence this week. It's in about 15 minutes on this Thursday, Ozarks at Large.
3: Hi, this is Lee Wood, KUAF's general manager. My favorite thing about summer is having my kids with me at work. It may sound like a pain, but there are perks to having a mom that works at a radio station. Stay
4: tuned for KUAF next time at kuf.org.
5: That's so weird. This land is your land. This land is my land.
3: I love public radio because it provides not just programming, but a platform for all of us, young and old, left, right, and center, from rural Arkansas to the busiest and biggest cities. I support public radio because I want my kids to grow up in a country that values the truth, honest and civil conversation, and lifelong curiosity and learning. Your gift at supportkuaf.com. Will keep this community of public radio lovers, young and old, thriving.
1: Arkansas lawmakers and officials from the Employee Benefits Division are revisiting the state's health insurance plan. Currently, the state uses traditional Medicare to provide health insurance for its retired employees, but is looking at moving to Medicare Advantage Plus. Director of the Employee Benefits Division, Jake Bleed, said having Medicare Advantage Plus through United Healthcare could help the state save money while keeping the same benefits.
6: We have negotiated with them something called a gain-share agreement, where they have to report to us how much money they spend on benefits. And if they keep too much— they pay it back to us. So I think we have some really good uh, guardrails in place to make sure that the savings don't result in lesser benefits for our members.
1: Bleed says by making United responsible for risk instead of the state, it will incentivize the company to keep risk low. Account vice president for United, Linda Jones, says the company provides clinical programs to keep seniors healthy, take care of chronic conditions to keep risk low.
0: A connector road to Northwest Arkansas National Airport is successfully through another phase. The Arkansas Department of Transportation reports the proposed road poses no significant impact to the environment. The next steps include right-of-way acquisition and utility relocation. When completed, the roadway would be a nearly three-and-a-half-mile highway connecting the airport with an interchange at Highway 612. The Oklahoma state flag will remain on Cherokee Nation properties. Earlier this month, the nation had announced all Oklahoma flags were to be removed from Cherokee Nation properties by September 1st, reserving use of the flag for only special occasions. In a statement yesterday, Cherokee Nation Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. said he's rescinding the order. In the statement, he said much of the reaction to the decision was negative, and he felt his responsibility as a leader of a democracy was to reverse the order. In the same statement, he said it is his long-held firm belief flying the state flag was inconsistent with tribal sovereignty.
7: Time now for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. On the program today, we will hear from U.S. Senate candidate Natalie James of Little Rock. She is the Democratic nominee who will challenge incumbent Republican John Bozeman of Rogers this fall. Arkansas State University in Jonesboro has named four finalists for its next chancellor. And one of them is currently a dean at the University of Arkansas. And Grand Savings Bank has expanded its branch network in Northwest Arkansas. We'll have all of those stories after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report.
8: Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda, and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
7: Natalie James of Little Rock is the Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate. She defeated Dan Whitfield and Jack Foster in the Democratic primary last month with 54% of the vote, avoiding a runoff. This fall, she will face incumbent U.S. Senator John Bozeman of Rogers, who is the Republican, and Libertarian candidate Kenneth Cates of Harrison. In a recent interview with Roby Brock, James discussed her career background what she thinks will work in her favor during the fall campaign, and how she would work across the aisle to achieve bipartisan results on gun control.
9: So I am a mom. I have a 17-year-old and 9-year-old. Um, I'm a lifelong Arkansan. and I have been in and out of legislation and testifying. And at our um, state capitol here for the last couple of years, while being a realtor. So it's been a very interesting last few years and I'm just excited to see the steps that it's taken. I don't
10: have to tell you that um, you know where Democratic candidates have been finishing in statewide races for the last several election cycles. You knew that full well going into this. You face an incumbent, you know, potentially three-term U.S. Senator here in John Bozeman. It's gonna be an uphill battle. Tell me what you think is working in your favor uh, to pull an upset.
9: Well, right now, quite frankly, Arkansas and Arkansans are ready for vigor. They're ready for action. They're ready for somebody to get in there and actually get things done. They're ready for bipartisanship and somebody to say, hey, let's pull this together and let's make it happen for us, for our future, for our children. So we're seeing a lot of different movements when it comes to women's rights, when it comes to actual um, gun, sensible gun control and other things like that that are really important to RNKs. And so I think part of that is going to be extremely important as to what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Arkansas is ready for healing and we're seeing it across the nation and across the state. We're seeing where people are enjoying being able to talk and express themselves about how the issues are affecting them, how improper legislation or the lack thereof legislation is affecting them and actually hearing having their voices being heard. It's been, what, six or seven years since Democrats Constituents have had somebody actually run for an office for this seat to be able to talk about the national issues, to talk about the issues that are affecting them on a federal level, and talk about that how it's affecting their lives. One of the issues you mentioned
10: earlier, there, this issue of gun violence—we're all still reeling from the the Buffalo shootings, the Uvalde shootings. There's been more even since then as well. Um, This week, the U.S. Congress, the House, actually passed a a law that would prevent high-powered guns by, by, from being purchased by anyone unless they're age 21 or over. Do you support that legislation? Are there other things that you think need to happen in terms of gun restrictions? That is a very good
9: question. I do. I support any legislation that's going to protect us, protect our children, and protect our future. It's important that we realize as a gun owner and as a mother that, yes, I do believe that you have your right to carry. That's fine, but it should not abridge my right to be able to go and live my life, my children to go to school, my mother to go to church, my sisters to drive down the street. That shouldn't be taken away from somebody who quite frankly, is underage and not of the cognitive ability to understand the ramifications of their actions and have the mental acuity because we do have um we do have a lot of issues that need to be addressed in a way that they haven't been addressed because again it goes back to making sure our legislators are doing what they're supposed to in bipartisanship. We're having too much bickering that's not actually helping and fixing the issues and coming up with actual solutions. So I'm very happy to see the Protecting Our Kids Act passed. I'm hoping that it doesn't sit at the steps of our Senate any longer. We can't afford to have bills just sit there and just die on desk. We need this bill passed. So I'm hoping that we all call and strongly urge our senators to support this bill, support us, support our future, and support our children. Uh, You know,
10: there is going to be plenty of a contingency out there that is going to say the Second Amendment uh, protects my right to bear arms. Uh, If I'm 18 years old and can serve my country, I should be 18 years old and be able to buy uh, a weapon uh, under that guise of the Second Amendment there. So, um, I I mean, how do you push back on the fact that there's a constitutional right at, uh, at risk here?
9: Again, I'm a gun owner, so I'm not against you having your constitutional right. But what I am against is not being able to have the choice of whether I can go to my grocery store and stay on alert. That's not my job. That's not what I'm choosing to do. My job is to be a realtor. My job is to be a voice for the people of the state of Arkansas, not to worry about, do I need to look over my shoulder? Is this car that's pulling up next to me going to end my life because they're having a bad day or they're having a bad feeling or things aren't being addressed properly at home? Uh,
10: Another topic in this debate has been the fact that we should either arm teachers, we should do more to beef up school security. Do you support those efforts?
9: Well, coming from a home full of educators, my family's taught for 170 years. And I've talked to my sisters, I've talked to other educators, not all educators feel comfortable enough and proficient enough and have the training to actually make that split-second decision. I think Ms. Prinkle brought it up when we were talking about the Protecting the Children's Act yesterday, how... That's not her comfort level, and that majority of teachers, not, that's not their comfort level. That's not their job to add on additional things when we have other things that need to be addressed within our education within our school systems. If we're going to fund anything, we need to make sure all our schools are fully funded with a 21st century education.
7: James also said that some of the inflationary pressures that have dominated the economy the past year can be squarely placed on corporate greed. If elected, she wants to actively support a $15 per hour minimum wage. You can watch that entire interview with Roby Brock over on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. Dr. Todd Shields, the dean of the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences since 2014 at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, is one of four finalists to be the next chancellor at Arkansas State University in Jonesboro. ASU System President Chuck Welch says he hopes to have a new chancellor named by July 1st. Grand Savings Bank is now open on East Robinson Avenue in Springdale. The bank maintains headquarters in Grove, Oklahoma, but operates 10 of its 13 branches in Northwest Arkansas and the Fort Smith Metro. And most members of the company's leadership team are based in Benton County. And a VC firm in Tulsa has launched an angel investing program called 412 Angels. Atento Capital says the goal is to help educate new investors and support early-stage startups in the U.S. 412 corridor that connects Tulsa and Northwest Arkansas. For all of those stories and more, visit us online at nwabusinessjournal.com and talkbusiness.net, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: This is Ozarks at Large. The Gully Park Concert Series is quiet this week after its first warm-weather Thursday of music last week. There are still several more concerts to come at the Fayetteville Park, as Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth reports.
4: Earlier this month, a Fayetteville summer tradition marked its 26th year of music and family fun. It's a warm Thursday night as people stream down the Razorback Greenway in Fayetteville, setting up lawn chairs and throwing down blankets and coolers before band Route 358 takes the pavilion stage at Golly Park. This is the 26th annual Gully Park Concert Series, which kicked off earlier in June. Lacey Ballard with the City of Fayetteville Parks and Recreation Department says the free outdoor music series is back to its usual schedule after pushing the shows to later in the summer for the past two years out of concern for COVID-19.
11: Um, So every summer we have what's called the Gully Park Summer Concert Series, and we offer six concerts um, throughout the summer. This year they're on Thursday nights consecutively up until um, July 14th from 7 to 9 p.m.
4: She says food trucks and local vendors are available at each show, but attendees are welcome to bring their own food and beverages, excluding alcohol. She says the free shows are appropriate for all ages.
11: Bring your lawn chair, bring your blanket. It's open lawn seating, so we encourage you to bring out the whole family, including um, your pets. Um, But just remember, a dog's got to be on a leash. Um, And then we also encourage everybody to carpool as much as possible um, or bike to the event. So we do have uh, bike parking available. Um, but there is um, there is uh, parking available off both Old Wire and Township, and then we have attendants um, that will help you park in the open grass areas for the overfill.
4: Ballard says the Summertime Concert Series has been a staple in Fayetteville since 1996
11: so we still continue to gather here for that long-standing tradition of of live outdoor music and a food truck rally every summer. Um, And so this summer, we're also going to have a special kids' night on uh, the June 30th concert. And so we'll have inflatables, face painting, activities, and vendors out there, all for the kids to enjoy.
4: For more on the upcoming shows, search Gully Park Summer Concert Series on the City of Fayetteville website. For KUAF News, I'm Daniel Caruth.
10: On the latest episode of Natural Election, we talk about marijuana and making it legal for a lot more Arkansans.
3: The passage of this amendment will authorize possession of one ounce of usable cannabis by adults over 21, and the cultivation sales of cannabis um, by our licensed facilities across the state.
10: Looking into a potential measure on the ballot this November, plus a rundown on runoff elections. Listen to Natural Election on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen.
0: NPR and KUAF will continue live coverage of the hearings regarding January 6th next week. The House Committee announced two new sessions for next week, Tuesday and Thursday, beginning at noon each day. If that schedule holds true, we'll not have noon editions of Ozarks at Large in those days, but we will continue to be with you at 7 p.m. on both of
1: those days. Talk Business and Politics reports tontitown based PAM Transportation is making its first company acquisition in nearly two decades. PAM is completing a deal for New Jersey company Metropolitan Trucking for just under $80 million. Talk Business reports the current Metropolitan Management team is expected to remain in place, and working from existing locations.
0: The Arkansas Farm Bureau is honoring a family in Carroll County as the Farm Family of the Year for the Northwest District. The Hostetler family of Green Forest has been farming for 14 years on nearly 1,800 acres. According to the press release from the Farm Bureau, the family grows alfalfa, grain, and wheat, and they also raise cattle. The Hostetlers are among eight farm families selected from eight different districts in Arkansas. One of the families will be named Arkansas Farm Family of the Year later in 2022.
1: The Big Gay Market is returning to downtown Fayetteville this weekend, billed as Fayetteville's only all-queer maker's market, more than 100 vendors are scheduled to take part. The market is open to the public from 1130 to 430 Saturday in the Walton Art Center parking lot off of Dixon Street. That's leading up to the Pride Parade that'll go down Dixon beginning at 5 Saturday. More about all of the Pride events this weekend at nwapride.org. A
0: United States senator from neighboring Louisiana will be the keynote speaker at the annual Reagan-Rockefeller dinner in Little Rock next month. John Kennedy will be the guest of the Arkansas Republican Party at the event July 22nd at the Embassy Suites in Little
1: Rock. And Arkansas's first black rodeo queen will be profiled tomorrow night on Arkansas PBS's Good Roots segment that airs during the weekly broadcast of Arkansas Week. Judea Kirsch will discuss her journey and how she spends her time advocating for diversity and mentoring a new generation. Arkansas Week can be seen at 730 tomorrow night on Arkansas PBS and will also be live streamed at my. ARPBS slash watch.
12: Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with a piece for solo flute by Cuban composer and flute player Orlando Maraca Valle. Orlando Valle was born in Havana, Cuba, in 1966 and has had a very successful career in the classical and jazz worlds, sharing stages with renowned musicians such as Paquito de Rivera, Chucho Valdez and Iraquere, Dizzy Gillespie and Chick Corea, among many others. The title of this piece is Tumbao a lo Paganini tumbao, usually a name for the bass line in salsa music, roughly translates into groove or swing, the feel and flavor of this music. Allo Paganini refers to the virtuosistic nature of it, highlighting the flurry's technical superpowers. That was Dominican Republic flutist Rafael Mendez Rubel performing Tumbao a lo Paganini, a piece by Cuban composer Orlando Valle. This piece for solo flute was recorded live at the Frost School of Music at the University of Miami as part of a project highlighting the work of BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color composers in 2021. Pauline is a multi-award-winning Belize-born British composer and performer. Her prolific composition career includes 22 operas and a large catalog of orchestral, chamber, and vocal pieces. She was the first Black woman to have a work featured in The Proms, an eight-week summer festival of daily orchestral classical music held in central London since 1895. Wallen's compositions are influenced by avant-garde classical music as well as by popular songwriting. Let us listen to one of her piano pieces, I Would Normally Say, a salsa piano piece interpreted by internationally acclaimed pianist, pedagogue, speaker and also professor at the University of Memphis, Artina McCain. Artina McCain interpreting, I would normally say, a salsa piano piece by Belize-born British composer Erlin Waller. This is Leah Uribe, associate professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Today in Sound Perimeter, we highlighted the music of composers Orlando Maracavalle and Erlin Wallen and performers Rafael mendez Rubel and Artina McCain, all bringing new additions to the classical music repertoire. Sound perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon.
1: This is a Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large. The Arkansas School Safety Commission held its first meeting this week since being reconvened by the governor following last month's shooting at a Texas elementary school. Ronak Patel, with our partner station KUAR, covered the meeting. Through an
13: executive order, Governor Asa Hutchinson called for the commission to reevaluate recommendations issued four years ago. The commission is to present an updated report by August 1st on measures schools can take to make campuses safer. Commission Chair Cheryl May says the recent mass shooting shows the need for schools to have a multifaceted approach to keeping schools safe. The commission has various subcommittees for physical security, mental health, and law enforcement. There's not one thing that a school can do.
14: Only one thing that they can do and say, okay, now our school is safe.
13: When presenting recommendations from the 2018 report, May pointed out the number of school resource officers has grown. Currently there are about 460 SROs in the state's 223 districts. May said she expects that number to increase. Karen Sullards, a former principal and volunteer with the gun control group Moms Demand Action, attended the hearing saying she appreciates commissioners wanting to address school security but she worries about the number of armed officers in schools.
5: I just hope that we don't get too far into too many guns in the school and that kind of thing, because that just really, and she was talking today about the school climate and culture, and the more people that are armed in a school, that climate and culture kind of gets undercut.
13: Recommendations from the report due in August could potentially be used to craft legislation if a special session is called by Hutchinson. The governor has voiced his support of using funds from the surplus to address school safety through block grants to school districts.
0: That was Ronak Patel with our partner station, KUAR Public Radio in Little Rock. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, Fort Smith's observance of Juneteenth, a preview of Sunday's Freedom Fest in Springdale, also with a Juneteenth connection, and we go to a lavender farm in Newton County.
5: I grew up
14: about 11 miles from here. Over, if you, have you hiked Lost Valley? That's Clark Creek that comes down through there. I was a Clark,
5: and we grew up on the ridge just west of of um, Lost Valley.
0: Plus, a review of the week's news with Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics and more on a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large, tomorrow at noon and seven on KUAF and
6: anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the Community Spotlight on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman, happy to be joined by Kayla Mays once again. Kayla, Executive Director of Big Paws of the Ozarks. How are you doing?
14: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
6: Y'all have your annual fundraiser coming up. This is June 24th. It's called Barks and Books, and we'll get in that in a second. But remind our listeners the role of Big Paws of the Ozarks within our community.
14: Yeah, so Big Paws is celebrating six years as a nonprofit. We are a foster-based dog rescue, which means all of our dogs live in homes while they're waiting to be adopted. We work with municipal shelters as well as with the community to accept strays or owner surrenders and our our rescue Um, we are nearing a big milestone of 500 dogs saved so we are really excited about that number and about the impact we've been able to have in our community
6: and of course you all kind of specialize in the bigger
14: breeds we do yes we get a little paw every now and then like we call them but we do specialize in large breed dogs
6: okay as we said june 24th uh, y'all's big annual fundraiser This year called Barks and Books, and it's taking place at the Fayetteville Public Library. It
14: is. We're so excited. We're going to be outdoors at the Glade. Um, We will have music by Crescent City Combo. Wright's Barbecue is catering. We'll also have an open bar. And folks can buy tickets on our website at bigpawsozarks.org or find tickets on our Facebook event as well. We're selling them through Eventbrite. It's going to be a really fun night. It's a relaxed atmosphere, lots of fun, and help us raise some money to keep saving these dogs.
6: And I guess throughout the night, too, y'all, I'll probably uh, talk about your mission.
14: We sure will, yes. And um, we'll have a silent auction to help raise money as well. We've got lots of really great items this year, and we're looking forward to it.
6: Uh, Kayla Mays with a Big pause of the Ozarks. Again, that Barks and Books fundraiser, June 24th, taking place at the Fayetteville Public Library. I I would think you're constantly looking for uh, homes uh, to to house these pets until they can find their forever home. Uh, Someone wants to know more about y'all, maybe volunteer to help. What's the best way to do that?
14: Yeah, they can reach out to us on any social media platform, email, call, text, um, shoot us a DM on Instagram. We are always happy to talk about getting new fosters on board or how people can get involved with our mission.
6: Awesome. Tickets on sale now for that Barks and Books fundraiser June 24th at the Fayetteville Public Library. Kayla Mays, thanks so much for telling us about this.
14: Thank you. We really appreciate
6: it. The Community Spotlight and KUAF Public Radio. Your
1: voice matters. This is KUAF 91.3 Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Dublin. That's in Logan County, I believe. Maybe Johnson Mm -hmm. County. Uh, Speaking of Dublin, it is Bloomsday. Timothy Dennis, have you ever read Ulysses by James Joyce?
0: I have not read Ulysses. I did read The Odyssey in high school, but I have not read Ulysses. I
1: have had two copies of Ulysses. I have tried to read both of those copies at least twice each, and I have never made it past page (laughs) 75. (laughs) Maybe Maybe I'll get some cliff notes. Yeah. And read it?
0: Actually, when I say I read the Odyssey in high school, I read the Sparknotes version ah, of
1: it. Sparknotes. That's, that's what Cliffnotes are called now?
0: I th- well, it was 15 years okay. ago. Okay.
1: All right. Easy. Contributors today included Daniel Carruth, Paul Gatling, Rana Patel, and Leah Rebe.
0: I, Timothy Dennis, produced today's show and today's sound perimeter. Stephanie Brock produced today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report.
1: And our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. We'll return tomorrow with noon and 7 p.m. editions of the show. Thanks for being with us. I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis. We will end
0: today's show with a bit of Morris Day in the Time. The band will headline this weekend's Freedom Music Festival in Springdale. Music begins at 1 p.m., but Morris Day and the Time, they're set to perform at 8 o'clock. festival takes place at Shallow Square on Emma Avenue. We'll hear more about the festival on tomorrow's edition of Ozarks at Large. You're, You're speaking with Anthony Ball of Music Moves today, right, Kyle? That is right. He's helping put that together. All right. Well, we look forward to hearing that on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large. Until then, here's Jungle Love with Morris Day and the Time. Take care of yourself and be well.